Okay, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Legal Zone for, from ClipsForSale.com. And of course, we have a star studded, award nominated panel today. We have award nominee Corey Silverstein up for an award from NextBiz. We have award nominee Dr. Chantel, who's also nominated an NextBiz award. Woman of the year. Now, and we have, of course, Lawrence Walters, who is not nominated. <laughs> I've already won all my awards. Corey, Corey jumps in. And of course, we have myself, Neil, who is also nominated. So this is like a three-peat here. So uh, actually, if you look at the uh, if you look at our participants, Brad Mitchell's here too, and he's actually nominated. Brad is also nominated. And if Darius is on here too, Darius is also nominated. So this is like the biggest star-studded panel we've ever had. So anyone awesome. watching this, you're getting like some serious award-winning presentation stuff going on right now. So anyway, so I'm going to, uh, anyway, we have some, a couple of topics we want to go over today. Of course, the uh, exciting Corey will, uh, well, actually the exciting Dr. Chantel will lead us through uh, and Corey and Lawrence will be uh, making their little interjections into these topics. And of course we can jump in anytime we want to. So without further ado, I will... Send it to you, Dr. Chantel. Woohoo! Thanks, Neil. Yes, this is a very, very thrilling uh, award-nominated day that we have here. You got to remember too, Brad, because you mentioned him. Brad has already basically won every award that there is to win. Um, so Brad, <laughs> I see you out there. I know, I know that you have that that beautiful case inside your office with all the awards, and we're just, you know, we're here with you, but we're not as good as you. Just kidding. Um, okay, so we have a lot of topics to talk about today. Um, so we might as well start out with the most controversial and also kind of the most interesting to sort of figure out where we are as a community and an industry and, and what we're going to do with this information. So let's start off talking about the girl do porn case. So Corey, you, um, you raised this topic and you wanted to discuss it. So will you tell us a little bit of background about the case? and you know where it's at i actually saw that there were some developments that were announced just at the end of last week that were kind of troubling and i'm um, also you know what's the relevance to you know the good upstanding parts of the industry which is the vast majority of it yeah i mean the unfortunately we only get an hour so if, you, if i had about six hours i could go through absolutely everything that happened in that case but we're not going to do that we're actually what we really want to talk about today is the uh, major uh, kind of things going on and why content producers and frankly everyone in the business needs to be uh, paying attention to this case. The biggest reason of course is because for the first time ever what we've seen the United States federal government do is that they have utilized their anti-human uh, trafficking laws to charge uh, these individuals who were producing this particular content uh, with very 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 significant felonies. Um, all the felonies come with it uh, substantial, substantial federal prison terms. Um, and so what we now have, Chantal, why this has become so important is that we're not talking about obscenity here. We're not talking about 2257. We've had these conversations a thousand times over and we, we've, we've, you know, we've talked about it and we've talked about why they're so important. But in this case, now what we have is we have individuals that in their mind were uh, creating uh, pornography and ultimately, as it turned out, the United States government feels that what they were doing violated 
uh, United States anti-trafficking laws. Yes, you have a question already. That yes, was wait, sorry. In whose mind they were creating pornography? Be a little more specific here because well, in the, for in people the, who aren't familiar with the case, let's list for two seconds. There's a, a site, girlsdoporn.com, and I'm not going to use the correct language here because I'm not a lawyer, but basically they were telling the models that they were going to make content that would be distributed over here, and really it was distributed everywhere else, right? Well, and there was a well, lot of coercion involved. So when you're saying they thought they were making porn, who are you talking about specifically? I'm talking about the individuals who actually created the porn. But okay. but just, just to throw one out there, everything so far is just allegations. These are the allegations that the prosecutors have raised. Um, the, the factual allegations are very, very similar from what has been going on in the ongoing civil trial out in California. Um, but in essence, you have actually, uh, you have three individuals that have been charged. You've got Matthew Wolf, Ruben Garcia, and Valerie Moser. Um, and then, of course, uh, everybody knows Mr. Pratt, but uh, he's uh, presently, uh, shall we say, unavailable. Um, in essence, though, the reasons why we're talking about this and why it's so important is because, again, very important that these are only allegations. But the reason why that everyone has to be paying very close attention to this case is because the government, this isn't like something that they haven't been threatening to do for a long time. In fact, Larry and I have done presentations and written articles about this for the past, like, God, I, what is it, Larry, last five years we've been running around telling people about yes. this? Yes, 2014. We've been telling people that this has been coming. We've been telling people that this is a threat that the, the federal government has been saying they were going to do, and now here we have it. And so when we're talking about what these particular guys did, Chantel, and when you read the allegations, obviously we've got a very extreme fact pattern. The allegations against these individuals in terms of what they were doing are obviously concerning, if they prove to be true. We don't, you know, at, at, as, as a free speech lawyer and defense attorney, we got an expression and, and it's a, it, we say it all the time, it's innocent until proven guilty. And ultimately these individuals, while there's a lot of allegations against them, they will get their day in court and they will get the opportunity to, to give their side of the story. But ultimately Chantel, what this is a reminder of, and this is exactly what Larry and I have been talking about for so many years now at length, is that content producers, regardless of what facet you're in, you need to think about how you're producing content. You need to go back to square one, think about all the interactions you're having with models, where you're getting your models, what documentation you're having your models sign, and what proof you have that those models actually sign that documentation. So, okay. It sounds to me like what you're talking about is that the reason why this case is noteworthy aside from all of the salacious, terrible allegations, okay, so we'll put that aside, is that generally when adult content is targeted, let's just say, or under scrutiny, it's because of obscenity, 2257, things like that. This is different because they're not alleging that this is obscene, they're not alleging documentation, they're saying sex trafficking or they're saying like what is what is the the issue here like spell it out specifically like why should somebody who's creating mainstream boy girl vanilla studio porn care about these alleged assholes well let's so so let's actually talk about what what's happened here so 
what's happened is that the United States, or excuse me, the government has used a section that's known as 18 USC 1591, which is uh, basically the, the Federal Human, Human Trafficking Criminal Act, okay? Now, we have never seen that before in an adult production case, ever. Larry, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first that, that I've ever heard of. Yeah, we've, we've not seen the statute used in this manner, but we have seen for years the opponents of the adult industry conflate issues of sex trafficking of and course, prostitution and pornography. And, and so this is the new tool that they've been threatening to use for years. They've been saying that, you know, obviously the, the whole approach of uh, trying to shut down the adult entertainment industry based on moral objections or sin hasn't sold very well with the public. And so they've all changed their, their approach and they're using this idea of sex trafficking, the adult entertainment industry being involved in sex trafficking as a new way to try to achieve censorship. And, and this is the first case where they're trying this effort to try to show that the content was produced in a way that involved force, fraud, or coercion, which makes it sex trafficking. Wow. So basically then this actually, so when Corey was saying that the content producers, and this is content producers across the board, right? Content producers are not all big studios, small no, things, you, whatever they're. Content producers need to pay attention to their interactions, where they, as you said, where they find their models, how their sets are, you know, what's going on on set, this and that, because, and I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, this is what it, it sounds like you're saying, is that this now is being used as a tool to target content production. And if a producer maybe had a not positive interaction on a set, or we've seen instances where performers leave set and then maybe are not happy with the interaction that happened, there's, there's a, a, a myriad of examples, we don't need to go into any of them, but that this then, this statute or whatever, could be used as a tool to then prosecute that content? Is that what you're saying? That's correct. Uh, it, it, yes, and in essence- Say it in the right words though, because I'm not saying it right. <laughs> no, well, you, you said it in like a way that a sociologist would, would say it. I mean, you know, if you had a different type of doctorate degree, I'm sure you, know, you would have been able to put it more eloquently. Shut but, up. <laughs> but the, 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 the fact is, is that, like Larry said a minute ago, this is something the government has been threatening to do for a long time. Now. Granted, when you read the actual complaint, which I've now um, in the group chat, if anyone wants to pull it up on their phones or computers or however they're watching this, the link is now there so you can pull up and look at it. We are talking about very, shall we say, uh, um, the allegations are very uh, dramatic. They're very, um, they're very loud. Um, they're very uncustomary uh, from what uh, porn producers would say goes on on an everyday basis. But ultimately what you have is the federal government who's been saying for years that like, listen, you know, hey, you know, all you people out there making porn production, we've got this, this tool out there and we may use it sometime, we may use it, and now they're using it. Now this is a, this particular crime carries with it, a, it is a 25 year felony. 25 years, you, you heard me right, Chantel. It, it can be a life felony. It so, can't the life okay. depending on the, the so, age of the performance. As you're, saying, as you're saying that this is a very, it's a very dramatic, lots of, there's all lots of allegations, alcohol, bait and switch fees, like there's all kinds of stuff in this particular, and there's also a large number. It wasn't it like 
hundreds of models have shot for this site, but I well, think there's 22 people who are coming forward. So there's a lot of reasons why maybe they focus on this. But if, and I don't want to, I have a million examples in my head, not a million, but several, and I don't want to use one of those specific examples as a hypothetical here in this question I'm going to ask, but let's just say a performer went on to a set and or went to go shoot a clip or whatever and they did not like their experience that performer could then allege sex trafficking is what this tool would enable is it, that it, that's kind of part of it and in this case what you have is you correctly pointed out that it seems to be a very small group of the hundreds of models that shot for this particular uh, content producer. But yes, ultimately what you have is these, these individuals would ultimately file police reports, file FBI reports, um, et cetera, in terms of saying, here's what my experience was. And this is just another tool that the United States government has at its disposal. The reason why we are emphasizing that people watch this case is because again, for this particular context, for this sort of situation, we have never seen it before. It's never, it, the US government has never done this. And so it's very important that we watch it carefully so we can learn from this case. And it's also equally important that content producers, as horrible as this sounds, learn from other people's mistakes. I know, it's a, I know it, it sounds horrible that you're, you know, these three, uh, these three individuals are, on are gonna be on trial for some serious accusations and facing substantial prison time. Like Larry said, it'd go all the way up to life in prison. Um, but ultimately, content producers need to be really taking a look at all of their practices, looking at what the allegations are and make sure that they're not going anywhere even close to what uh, the allegations are in this case. So I don't know how to think like a lawyer because I'm not like a lawyer. And in my mind, I'm like, but these guys are horrible. Listen to the allegations, right? Um, so of course they did bad things. But at the same time, it also sounds like we don't know that to be true. It hasn't been proven, you know, get their day in court, et cetera, et cetera. But the point of this conversation for the wider industry and for other producers to be aware of is to be aware of interactions, right? No, it's not. It's not just interactions. Interactions is just is just the start. I was start. trying to be vague. No, it, it it's interactions is just the whole start. The what what again you have to look at this as is you have to look at as as put aside what these three individuals allegedly did. Okay. okay. Put that aside for a second. What you have to look at. It's so hard. <laughs> I know it's, it's difficult to, but what you have to look at here is that the government, after threatening to use this against porn producers for years and years and years, has now done it. And so now that we know that this is another one of the statutes that they are prepared to use, we need to, every content producer out there needs to understand that this statute exists, understand what it does, and make sure that they're not doing anything that runs afoul with it. What can they, and I know you can't obviously give like a blanket advice and people would need to speak to you specifically and all of that and, and whatever, but what is something or what are a couple of things or what are things for people to be on the outlook for? Like, obviously there shouldn't be drinking of alcohol on set and things like that, but what are other things that people can do now knowing that the government has this tool that they clearly are ready to use? Number one, absolutely all correspondence 
from beginning of the relationship with the performer to the end should be in writing. Don't have to. In telephone. writing as in email? Email, email would be fine. Text. A letter would be fine. I don't care. But it needs to be in writing. The reason for that is because if some producer had allegations like this against him, he's going to want to be able to show the communications he had that there was no sort of purported uh, inducing, forcing, uh, broken promises, et cetera. And okay. so right from, right from the start, you want to make sure that you have everything documented. The other thing that, that again, that, it, that is very important is that ultimately there's a reason why over the years, Larry and I have been screaming at performers to stop goofing around with their performer contracts and how they take those agreements in. Those agreements are very carefully drafted, very carefully drafted to have certain provisions. And the other thing that we've always been talking about doing is making sure that when your performer signs that agreement, give her a copy, take footage of you handing her a copy, take footage of her or him signing it. These are all little things, and I'm just giving you some examples, but there is a compilation of a lot of things that producers can be doing to cover themselves. Yeah, I mean, the, the focus really should always be on consent, on, yeah. on clear yeah. disclosure of what's happening, where the content is going to be published, how it's going to be used, what the performer's rights are. You know, some of the bigger companies are going to using a performer bill of rights and um, making very clear what the performer's obligations are, what their rights are. Everything needs to be spelled out in writing. The contracts need to be clear. Performers need to have sufficient time to read the contract, to evaluate it, to understand it, make sure they understand English, make sure they're coherent, make sure they're not under the influence of drugs. I mean, there's, there's a, lot, a list of things that we typically go over with, with performers and producers, but it's becoming so much more important now because this used to just be a business dispute you know, over content. Uh, when somebody's unhappy with you know, something that happened on a set or with the content, they changed their mind, they want it off the internet. Now, this can explode into a potential sex trafficking, civil lawsuit, or criminal case. And that's why this particular case is important. Well, and that, and that, that, Chantel, to be fair, what Larry just said, that's how this case started. This case started as a civil suit. This was, a, this was in essence, a, a uh, class action civil suit that was filed by performers in California against the producers seeking money damages. It was actually during the, uh, the trial of this case that these charges were, were brought against uh, the same defendants. So, oh. it, so it, 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 like Larry just said, you know, this is how we used to see it. We would often see that this would be a dispute that would be resolved in the civil courts, arbitration, what have you, it would be a money issue. But again, now what we have is this has been taken to an entirely new level. The U.S. government has said, that's it. We've told everyone that we were going to use this thing. Now we're going to use it. And so be on notice. And the problem is, Chantel, is that, and it's one of the reasons why Larry and I keep saying we're not, we don't, we, we, we don't gain some sort of satisfaction by being right. I, I know that sounds funny, but the fact is it doesn't, I don't feel that like, wow, you know, Larry and I won because for the past number of years, we've been running around screaming at the top of our heads that this was going to happen. We're not satisfied by that. Okay, now it's happened. So now what do we do? Well, now we have to go back. We have to make sure that all producers in the industry know that this is going on and make sure that they're creating content responsibly, legally, uh, and in a manner that complies with all applicable law. 
Well, and even yeah, also, if people are producing content responsibly and legally, but also they need to be documenting that as well. Yeah, of course. They need to be documenting their responsible actions. Like, do you know like what I, I mean? Said, you know, like I said to you when we first started, I could go on for hours and hours and hours about this topic. Um, it, it's very fresh. It's very new. We've seen that there's been a ton of mainstream media coverage. And, yes. And, and you know, when you start seeing all the big mainstream media coming out and, and being interested in our industry, it's, it's very interesting because usually they're not, they're not coming to us because it's something good. It's usually they're coming to us because they've got a story to potentially make the adult industry look bad. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, one of the problems here is that you can't fix everything by written documents either. You know, the sex trafficking laws leave a lot of room for ambiguity. You know, you think about these concepts of force, fraud, and coercion. Um, yeah. Force doesn't need to be actual force. It can be a threat of force. So, you know, let's say a, a model's on a set and there's security guards by the door or something and she changes her mind and wants to leave but doesn't feel like she can. Is that force? I mean, there, there's a lot of, of gray area. The fraud, the idea of fraud is, is so tremendously broad. There have been some, a, a lot of fraud cases brought throughout the years uh, about things that you wouldn't think are fraud. You know, somebody's promising, oh, I can get you a, a, a career in the adult industry and that doesn't turn out. Is that fraud? Uh, yes. yeah. Well, isn't that, I mean, isn't that what's currently going on? And I'm going to just bring this one up because, and I'm not the, the, the most on top of what's going on. I think this is actually going on right now. But isn't that what's going on with um, whatever's happening with Derek Hay, with the um, agents from LA Direct, that he, their allegations that, you know, he said he was going to like bolster my career, like that kind of thing. Do you guys, are you guys That's familiar? Yes, I'm familiar with, with, with that case. And, you know, there's, there's that and there's a lot more that's been reported. Yeah, no, I'm media. really... Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's an example of the kind of thing that gets you to ask, okay, how broad is this prohibition on fraud? How, how broad is this prohibition on force or coercion? Um, you know, it's, it's not always an easy call. And, you know, that's why I think it's, this is a good time for the industry to step back and look at exactly how content is being produced, uh, what rights performers have, how clear things are being explained to them and, you know, come up with our own best practices that gets ahead of this so that we don't have questions about the production techniques. Yep. So I would say if you were going to sum up this whole thing, would, Yikes. Be, yeah, would be to maybe possibly record everything within a camera in the corner of the room, just have it running the entire time they arrive till the time they leave. That that's one thing you could do, which might be a pain in the ass, but at least it's protecting yourself. Obviously, you have really good ethics involved in your in your uh, the way you do things, so you're not looking shady or or making anyone feel uncomfortable. Which I know these days is tough because you could do the dumbest thing and someone's like, "Oh, I'm triggered by that." Which who knows how they're triggered? Because also the performers could be. Um, obviously, you don't want the performers on drugs either when they come in. Besides what you did, who knows where they were prior to coming to you to shoot? So. You, you, the producer, should look at that and be like, you know what, I'm not going to shoot you today because I think there's, you know, if, you know, you, you all have to look at the situation and use your best judgment, whether you're the performer or the producer. And obviously the performer can walk in and say, you know what, I don't even like, this is all shady. There's wine over here. There, there's this. I'm just going to leave and don't even deal with it. So there's obviously things you can do in that, in that respect. But it does seem like there's a, a use for a Yelp 
for this industry, which we all have a Yelp app for producers and models that we can rate every shoot we go to and something maybe uh, Larry, you can come up with on your own. For $9.99, for $9.99 you can go to neilorkin.com right now. That's neilorkin.com. Say my name on here. Is that really necessary? Oh, sorry. You're right. Sorry about that. I don't even use my last name, but now I'm exposed Everybody next to my attorney. Well, whatever. You go back to, you use it on we'll edit that out. Yeah. I'm going to hire Larry to go after you for that. That's but right. That's right. You're in big trouble, Corey. That just triggered me. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to start by taking your name off Facebook. Uh, okay, not everyone's on my Facebook. So oh, hey. excuse me. All right, we're devolving away from this. Now, topic. now, now, I'm triggered, and I'm going after it. That's it. Corey, <laughs> Corey had no idea he was gonna piss you off then either, did yeah, you, Corey? Totally. I didn't tell you two minutes before we started. Gonna, in honor, in honor of Neil, I'm gonna change my. My background here. <laughs> Thank you. There's a fire brewing in this in this I'm thing. Right. So anyway, but, you know, just, but anyway, just, that, that just kind of you know. Go ahead, Larry. What were you going to yeah, say? Yeah. No. Just you know, on on your point, uh, in, in summing it up, you know, this brings me back to the days of the obscenity prosecutions, where the government would pick out you know the worst possible content, and most of the other producers would say, oh, you know, that's horrible, that's terrible. We would never film anything like that. You know, those people deserve to go to jail and you know, they wouldn't get any support um, or and the people just wouldn't learn from it. And here we're seeing a lot of that, I think, with this particular case. I got to be a little careful on, on comments on Girls Do Porn because I'm an expert witness for one of the websites, not Girls Do Porn, but another website that's involved in the case. So I don't want to comment on that case. But I'm saying in, in, in general, you've got to be careful to not ignore something just because of the, the horrendousness of the allegations. You've got to learn from it. And people went to jail for obscenity, but the industry learned, you know, how the government acted, how it brought cases, what its theories were, what its approach was. The same kind of takeaways can be, you know, learn, learn from the, the same kind of information can be taken from this case, um, despite the fact that the allegations are, you know, are difficult to, to hear. Well, I mean, this is, I'm, I don't usually fancy myself a conspiracy theorist, but more and more, maybe I am. It's interesting because if, if you, Larry, and, and Corey have been speaking about this for as many years as you have, and this is the first time this tool has been utilized, so to speak, it's interesting because maybe they were almost waiting for the most terrible, the most salacious, the well, most extreme case to then use that. And then now all of a sudden, maybe if this, if this comes to pass, because it's currently happening right now, then disputes between a couple making a clip who then later get divorced and maybe didn't have, or they separate their business interests. This is something that Neil speaks about quite a bit, you know, telling people when they're shooting clips to have a, a very solid agreement, you know, who owns the content, what's happening. Now, all of a sudden, uh, just a, a small little piece of content that people are having a dispute over could be like, it could be a sex trafficking. Not really, but this could be utilized. No, no, that's but kind what, of distressing. What you're saying, Chantel, is actually that's the point Larry and I have been trying. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like it, it sounds like such a like because they hadn't been doing it. You all have been talking about it. This has been possible because there's been many instances, very high profile instances in the industry where somebody alleges uh, misbehavior. Let's just call it on set, and yet this was never used. Now, all of a sudden, we have hundreds of models, 22 people making accusations. And, 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 and from what I read, it, it all reads very startling and shocking there's, and true. It, it, and so 
now they're doing this. And, and that is the thing, like, it's almost like they were waiting for the perfect, terrible case that was so extreme what? to move forward and then set this precedent. Well, historically, there haven't been the United States government hasn't given out any gold stars to content producers for being no. completely <laughs> compliant. So Unfortunately, nice. we, you don't get awards and certificates for being good at what you do by the government. The government only decides to come after you when they, when they feel they really have to. Now, Ugh. look, it's, it's, it's a very important topic. It is essential. And this is how I'll, I guess I'll end this so you can segue into our next topic because Neil looks like he's had just about enough of this topic. Yeah. The, 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 point, the, point, the point is, guys, is that, again, there's an opportunity to learn here. And this is what drives Larry and I and every other legal professional nuts. Because, yes, it's horrible that it's come to this level, that now we have this public trial, you have these accusations, you have these victims. It's all horrible, all of it. But ultimately, there is going to be quite a lot of information. And there's going to be quite a lot to learn from this, this case. And so everyone in this industry needs to be watching it. If you're not, you're doing yourself a disservice. I agree. So that's, probably, that's what we learned from this is to pay attention. And as this progresses, keep, keep, maybe we'll do uh, uh, an update on this you know, a couple of months from now. We'll see how things change from there and if things go in a different way. But but yeah, there's always that one, everyone's always saying like, there's always going to be that one example that they're going to make. And even with the obscenity, I think there was only a few people that really got in trouble for that in the last 20 years. So it was because everyone learned from it, it was like, oh shit, well, we know not, you know, we know not what to do, what not to do. So they, now they can't go after everybody. So it's the same similar thing that they'll get the one or two, but everyone should learn and be like, listen, I'm not going down that road. So let's really you know, maybe it's going to make it more of a pain in the ass for the producers and models. But if you want to make a living doing this, you kind of have to abide by those, you know, new ways of doing things. So anyway, on a brighter topic, I was thinking about, are we going to go into the music topic? Yes. Okay. Learning about things. We had a person ask us a specific question about using music in clips. And so Larry is actually going to talk to us a little bit about how that all works, how you can use different types of audio in clips and content. Yeah, nicer. How do I, how do I get to play a Lady Gaga song in my background, Larry? Yeah, well, th there's, a, there's a real simple answer to that. Um, get a license. <laughs> get a license. There it is, we're done. I don't yeah. have any money, uh, not that much that. at least. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a really difficult subject in some ways because it's not as easy for adult performers and producers to get licenses and to get the rights to use background music as compared to other industries. I mean, there, there are you know, services you can go to to use background clips, you to get you know, royalty-free music for your clips, but most of them prohibit use in you know, adult entertainment or pornography. And so you know, it leaves producers and performers in, in a, a difficult spot because they have to choose between you know, using music being potentially exposed to copyright infringement claims um, or, you know, creating their own music really is the, is the only viable options. I mean, there's a lot of disinformation out there uh, on the internet and elsewhere about, you know, your ability to use music in the background, uh, fair use and de minimis rights and so forth. Reality is that, that the music is owned by somebody and that somebody is a copyright holder. And if you're using music in the background in a promotional clip on, on any kind of commercial 
enterprise like a webcam show or a clip or production, uh, you're, you're monetized now. You're using that music and you're violating that copyright owner's rights. Um, you know, you might get away with a passing, you know, a note or two on a song or, you know, the, the television is playing a show or, or a song and you pass by it with your camera. You know, uh, that's not likely going to generate a claim. But if you're using actual background music on a clip or on a cam show or anything else in the industry, uh, you've got to get the rights to it. And if you don't, you're exposed to potential statutory damages, even up to $150,000 per infringement, exposed to attorney's fees. And you know, this is something that, that we've seen a few times. We've defended some of the, the producers uh, back in the day for using uh, music and uh, other you know, content that's owned by third parties. And you know, the music industry did come after a few, a few of them. It hasn't been very common recently, but it's something that I think is important to talk about because um, you know, really people that are using music without rights are sitting ducks to infringement allegations and, and they can be targeted and uh, be forced to spend a lot of money defending themselves. So I have two questions. The first one is, say somebody is you know, having a live stream on whatever platform it is that they're using, and they have a playlist playing in the background. Just that's, that's a violation, right? Yes. Even if, yeah, they're, even if they're not, because even if they're just an open chat, so nobody is paying them, they're just, just kind of sitting there. Yes. I mean, they're, they're, they're still engaged in a, a commercial use a, okay. of the music, right? Um, okay. They're still promoting themselves. They're, they're not just sitting chatting with a friend. Um, right. You know, this, this is a commercial use. And so it's going to be difficult to try to defend that as being fair use. You know, the, the problem with, with the idea of fair use is that there is no bright line. And there's, there's a lot of internet rumors about, well, if you only use seven seconds of a clip or, you know, 18 seconds, none of that is real. Uh, there have been sampling cases where musicians have won even over a two second clip uh, of, of a song. And that has been found to be infringing. But there might be other instances where, you know, if you're sitting there and you're, you're talking about a song or remixing a song you know, live or something uh, where you could get away with making an argument that it's fair use. But if you just have something playing in the background, a track or a playlist, um, you've got multiple infringements for each copyright owner. Each song would be a separate infringement uh, by the, the owner of that copyright. And so let's just say, hypothetically speaking, somebody tried to come after that and say it's the, the live streaming kind of cam open chat example, would that be the, the responsibility of the model or of the broadcast network, like whatever platform they were on? Yeah, that, that's a, a really good and interesting question. Uh, potentially both. The, the model certainly would be on the front lines as a, a direct infringer since the, the model is you know, performing the music and turning it on and, and uh, playing it. But if the, the network uh, was benefiting it from it in some way or if they induced it, if they said, hey, you guys should all you know, play playlists when you're performing and they encourage them to infringe on somebody's rights, uh, they could be brought into the case as a contributory infringer. You know, this also gets into DMCA issues, which and we may have talked a little bit about over, over the, um, the last few times. But, you know, if the broadcast network has a properly established DMCA safe harbor, they may be able to get away with, uh, you know, just simply taking down the content or taking action in response to a DMCA notice and be protected from liability. But if there's any problems with their DMCA safe harbor, if they haven't designated an agent, they don't have a proper repeat infringer policy, that kind of thing then the CAM network could have a problem too. Yikes, okay. So then I guess the next question, the next most obvious one is, how does somebody get 
some music that they can play in their content, whatever hire, their content they, may be. They hire Neil, and Neil will be happily to do Neil will play the kazoo. Neil play kazoo, kazoo guitar, and he'll I, I am, uh, yeah, I'm very uh, proficient in the uh, tambourine, in case uh, uh, I too, I can play the triangle, like that. There's so much, there's so, there's so much content out there, Chantal. There's so many websites that actually sell licensed music, and it's not that expensive. That 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 they are okay with licensing for adult content because you have to check. You have to check. You have to check the terms. You got to check the terms. You got to make sure that you know there will be the license agreement itself. Sorry uh, if that was meant for Larry, but the license agreement itself, when you're going to these third-party websites. Are it's very important that you read these because like you just mentioned, it is possible that the license will be limited to certain types of sites and will have specific exclusions for uh, pornography, etc. So it is important that you look. But even absent that, there are still plenty of sources out there where you can get legitimate uh, license. When I say legitimate, I should say license. Legitimate is the wrong word to use, but you can get licensed music. Now, one of the things that I was talking to Larry about before we started today's call was, was that, you know, the thing that, that gets me is that, you know, a lot of people say, well, it really doesn't matter. I'm still going to have my favorite Rihanna song going in the background or whatever, because you know what, when's the last time we actually saw any of these musicians actually go and file a lawsuit against uh, a campsite or, or, or a camp performer. And the fact is that we really haven't. But what I, what I say to people when they say things like that, I was like, do you guys all remember that little tiny site called Napster? <laughs> it's not an issue until it becomes an issue. It's not an issue until some musician out there or copyright holder out there says, you know what, that's it. I'm going to start making an issue out of this. Not to, uh, you know, not to give any examples, but, you know, would it completely defy logic if you heard that like Kanye West decided to start, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it, it's, you know, again, you have to look at it when you had the Napster and I believe it was Metallica that got the ball rolling uh, when, when Napster became the, you know, the, big target it became the, the end of the world for them so it's 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 like just because it's not going on or you don't see the action going on you don't see people being chased right this second doesn't mean that in a day from now a week from now hell an hour from now the music industry doesn't say eh, you know what we've kind of had enough we want to get our buck so listen there's a good example just as an example on youtube i watch sometimes these um reaction videos if you've ever seen these where they like for the first time i'm going to listen to whatever song and a lot of these get blocked by youtube and they're not even and they're talking over it or they stop and start it but they still block it and there's a reason why because now it's kind of silly because it's promoting that music but okay they still have a right to not allow it to be heard so youtube blocks it so why wouldn't you know and now i would assume as a platform like clips for sale it's not our, it's not our, our fight. I, I, I could ask you and, and Larry this, but if someone is doing it as a producer, um, it's not really my issue as what they're doing until it becomes an issue. And then either they, either DMCA, like you said, or they contact us directly by their counsel and say, hey, so-and-so is using this. They usually go after the person who's using it, not the platform, I would imagine. And then they just remove it 
we don't want to get into you know into specifically what you know clips for sale does or would it be live or would not but you know, yes you're right that's that's typically how platforms operate is under the dmca protection they have a designated agent they take down content if they're notified you know you, you brought up youtube but they have an interesting approach to this um, they have a content protection program where uh, the artists can upload their music onto YouTube and it gets fingerprinted. And then anytime somebody uses that track on YouTube, um, they get a notice or basically uh, the, the content owner, the copyright owner can choose whether to monetize the content or to take it down or to just simply watch the viewers and get you know, information about how it's viewed and how it's tracked and so forth. So the, you know, they have a different procedure that allows the, the copyright owner to actually benefit from the uploads, the infringing uploads at their choice. You know, so something like that might be adopted by the adult industry, by cam sites, by clips for sale type platforms, where if there is an issue, you know, the content's fingerprinted, it's identified, and the copyright owner gets the option to potentially you know, share in the profits or, or monetize it through ads or, or some other creative solution. That sounds like a wonderful world that you live in there, Larry, but I don't think that's given and given that uh, there was just a whole story about like old Heinz ads or something on a site like I mean, as, as cool as that would be and as much uh, benefit as Rihanna or Kanye West would probably get from having like letting some of their songs or little bits of music being played in the background probably won't because we're talking about adult here. And I guess the other thing I just wanted to say is that the idea, you know, we get we get mad when our stuff gets stolen or when things are pirated. I mean, there's a whole conversation within the community about, you know, content being here and content being that or piracy. So as much as I remember being an angry little teenager getting all mad at Metallica, being like, who do you think you are, Lars Ulrich, with all of your money suing Napster? We just want to hear the songs. It's their work, you know, and and fair is fair and kind of thing. And, Chantel, and, is that an admission to the fact that you were pirating music? I absolutely wasn't. I actually was so, I'm so computer terrible that I was so terrified of like downloading anything because I thought it would like liquidate my computer. And plus I always liked getting the tapes and the CD liners and like reading all the lyrics so I could like headbang officially. But I, yeah, I love making fun of Lars and all his whining about Head that. Headbang, headbang officially. That's you where you got to be able to sing along while also like thrashing. That's a thing. Slayer, come on, Corey, get with that's it. Where you smash your head against the wall, right? Like really, really hard. <laughs> the point being, though, is that we should be mindful of this. I mean, I know that the the world likes to treat the industry with a, a different set of rules, but I'd like to think that we could also kind of rise above that and be better. And, and we shouldn't do that if we don't want them to do like, that. Like I, said, like I said a few minutes ago, Chantel, there are plenty of places that, right. that, that, that cam performers, clip makers, they can all go to get uh, licensed content. It's, it's right. really just as simple as going on Google and doing a little homework. All right. So thinking about going on Google and doing a little homework, let's do a little um, pre-homework for people who are thinking about trade show season which is what's coming up Corey. this is another thing that you wanted to talk about um yep. was how can people make the most of these big shows that we have that i mean i know it, it's only the beginning of november but jan brewery is going to be here like that and <laughs> all of this is going to start happening very soon so what what did you want to raise there Corey? we are in the full swing Forget about forget about saying saying that it's in that it that it's upon us. We are in huh. full swing. 
Um, my man, Brad Mitchell's here, and we have spent the last two weeks basically tr making an, our, our travel itineraries here for from now until next April. There's a big thing, that, a question that gets asked over and over and over again. This is what someone says. If someone says, well, such and such show is coming up. Should I go? That's the, that's, that, that's the biggest question people always say, should I go? You have to, the first thing you've got to do is you got to look at your budget, okay? Because whether you're a performer, whether you're making clips, whether you own a studio, whether you're a sociologist, you have to look at what your budget is, how much you can spend, how much time you can spend away from the office or your home or wherever it is that, that you know, your home base is. But you can't go, I've been telling, I've been trying to tell this to, to perform. Your goal shouldn't be just go to every single trade show because frankly, it's not fiscally possible and it's just not going to work. In fact, I made the mistake. I tried over the years to, to do that. And it just frankly doesn't work. You, you, there's not enough you, there's not enough time, there's not enough money. It just doesn't work. But what's very important is that you actually take the time and ask questions to these, the people that are, that are doing these trade shows. Ask them questions about, say, like, hey, you know, are you going to have this? Are you going to have education sessions, if that's what you're looking for? If you're looking to go because you're looking for a giant show floor, I'm sure you guys have, you know, for those watching, you've seen uh, Clips for Sale does amazing, gorgeous uh, booths at various different trade shows throughout the years. If you're working with Clips for Sale and you want to know whether Clips for Sale is going to have an exhibit at a trade show, reach out to them. That might be a reason enough for you to go. I, Neil, I'm gathering you don't hold the, keep it a secret where you're going to have uh, an exhibit, do you? No, we actually posted the admin prior, a couple months prior or two months prior that, hey, we're going to be at this show. And if you want to come and hang out at the booth, um, sign up on this uh, tool that Darius would make. And then we usually get like, I think right now for AVN, we're up to like 300 people that said, yeah, I'll, I want to go. So now of course we can't uh, invite all 300 people, everybody. And that's one good thing about Clips for Sale. Everyone is welcome at our booth, regardless if you get a pass from me or you're there already, whatever. Um, you're all, always welcome no matter, no matter what. So, um, but we only have so many passes at each show that we're allowed to give out. So those are the ones that we give out. Of course, we expect if we're giving you a pass that you're gonna come and, and work the booth, help us out bring your fans to the booth, you know, things like that. So there has to be a reason to do it. And the same thing, like you just said, is people ask me, they're like, oh, you guys are going to be at AVN. Should I go? And I say to them, well, what do you, what is your goal? What are you trying to get out of going to the show? Are you there to, to meet other producers? Are you going to shoot content in your hotel? I mean, what's the whole point of you going there? So, you know, if it's to get as many fans as possible, I would say, no, you're probably not worth going because, you know, I, I don't ever think that that's these shows are where you're going to gather as many fans as possible. Well, clip, clips, for sale, clips for sale doesn't go to every single show, Neil. I mean, you don't, well, I take that back. I see Darius all over the world, but I mean, I don't, you know, you all, you guys ultimately pick and choose where you have your big displays and where you've got your full crew on board and, and all, and all that. And I'm yeah. assuming Neil that that's based on your experience, your research into the show, who's going to be there, what the costs are going to be. And, and, you know, I, I'm having yeah. it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We have to look at like right now we have the whole year's worth of shows on a list right now, as, as we speak that we're going to be going over this week and next week of which shows do we want to go, which shows are in the budget, which ones are worth it. 
which ones have we been to that was like, this was a waste of time because there are a lot of them that for us, it's just not worth going. It, sometimes it's worth just say Darius going and representing by walking around the show, meeting people there, not having a big booth. You know, <clears throat> sometimes the B2B shows are just not where it's at for us. We'd rather, and in my opinion, I'd rather go to the shows where I can meet the producers. I can meet the models. I could be face to face with everybody and actually meet them directly and, do these uh, seminars, like you said, about educating them on clips for sale, about how they can make money in the industry, like things like that. So those are more worth it, you know, for us to do uh, as opposed to some of the shows where there's none of that going on and we're just there and it's just a brand. So do you really want to spend money on just branding yourself or is there a reason why you're going as a model? Like maybe you have a ton of fans in Vegas and they're going to be at the show. So yeah, I'll be at the clips for sale booth come see me and I'll sign autographs, whatever. So that's something good for that model if she wants that exposure. So it really just depends. Everyone is different though, but, and you're right. And we do pick and choose, you know, depending on where we were last year, if there's a new show, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll skip a show. Um, every couple of years, we'll go to that back to that. So instead of every year, we'll wait a couple of years, go back to it uh, if it's worth it, you know, so it really is hit or miss with these shows. And there's so many of them. As you know, Corey, there's, you can be busy every weekend till the end of the year from that's, start to finish if you want to. And that's the conversation, actually, that, that Brad's muted so he can't concur. But this is the conversation that Brad and I were having last week where we were saying, where does it start and where does it end? Because ultimately, you, you really could. You could be on the go all year, on the road, going to these hotels, going to the shows. And we're not, you know, we're not just talking about North America, Neil. We're talking about the whole world. Are, these things, just last week, I, I, I remember reaching out to someone and said, hey, did I miss a trade show? I was like, oh, yeah, there was the show in Budapest or, or wherever it was. And it's like, I didn't even know that show existed. So, you know, one of the things, Neil, that, that, that I wanted to get across, because it's a question that, that we've been getting so much, you know, we're heading into the big trade show season. Obviously, X-Biz is, X-Biz is marquee shows coming up, X-Biz 2020. I think we've got most of the people on the, on this this uh, on this webinar right now are going to be there. And Darius is here now, so now you can clap for him and tell him congratulations for being an Xbiz nominee for some golf club. Club. Yeah, I, I think they're I think they're giving I think it's for like best haircut or something like that. I'm not sure what most you. awesome best dressed or something most snappy. Yes, best. But, but so that should, that should be a, a great show. Lots of business opportunity that you've got and you've got. But, so, but I, I just want to interject here though. When we're talking about models and producers, the, the thing to really think about is for people to research the shows because sometimes, you know, I've heard from many, many models that the ones that are so purely B2B that those aren't necessarily, they didn't meet the expectations. Maybe there was some education stuff, but but that might have been skewed a little too business. I don't think. I don't Sometimes think there are those more social shows where I'm like, "This is just a big beach party. What are you guys doing here? You're not like learning anything." And then there's models who, for community and finding place to connect and make friends and things like that. So, looking into these shows, you know, depending on who you are, where you're at in the industry, what your goals are. It's, it's really important to take a very, very close look at what organization is behind them, you know, what the itinerary is, and, and be honest with yourself if, if this is the, the kind of, of need and the kind of service that you want. And, and whatever those interests are and however it is that you weigh that out, 
you know, just, just, it's important to, to really consider that, I think. I think one thing you should, you should think of, Chantal, and I think that, that's an excellent point. I really do. I, I think that that goes along with what I was saying earlier, that it's important that you ask the show promoters, ask them, you know, what are you advertising? What's your event schedule look like? Who's going to be there? What sort of activities are there going to be, et cetera? I think that's very important. But something that just, this is just something I've seen as shows have evolved over the course of the last 15 years and the way the industry has evolved. I don't know if you can really say, Chantal, that there is any more a dedicated B2B show. I, I don't know if you can truly say that anymore because obviously you have so many content producers that have taken their businesses into their own hands or they're, they're creating their, they've opened up accounts with clips for sale or other cam studios or what have you. And so I think it's very hard to say that, you know, you'd have a performer show and then a separate B2B show. I think regardless of how you no, look no, at no, it. No, 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 no. I mean a B2B show versus a B2C fan show. So like the Exoticas are great. Oh, oh you're talking about consumer shows. shows. Okay, yes, well. Yes, yes, consumer... yes. The Exoticas, those are, those are okay. know, great. And there's educational opportunities, but there's also opportunities to meet the public. The Expos shows or like the LOL Expo or something like that, like there's that that's for the industry community. That's what I mean by B2B. I understand. I, I understand community. what you mean. Versus now I what you mean. fan show. Yeah. So. And I'd agree with that. I, I don't, you know, there's, when you look at some of these, these commercial shows, you do have to take a close look at it to see about whether or not there really is any business value for you to go to those things, whether it's but really. Maybe the business value is to me, like you were saying, if you have a big following in Las Vegas or there's somebody yeah. that you wanted to work with so you could shoot content there as well or something like that. You know, there's a lot of different reasons. I mean, if you could do a public appearance, a dance booking, something like that, there's a lot of different reasons why somebody might want to go to a fan show versus a trade show or something like that. No and one. My suggestion is just to really look at those factors as an individual and weigh them out and be honest with yourself. Even though some of them may seem like that's the show that you have to go to, some of the smaller ones actually might be more strategic. No one has given me any uh, dancing opportunities yet. You know, that's just because you don't ask, man. Like, there's this guy who does all the bookings for everybody. You got to call him up. <laughs> I, I, it just hasn't happened for me. I don't know well, if, it's like a, if it's a look thing or what it is. but You just need the right agent, Corey. Yeah. But, I, but I think, Chantel, that because you, you know, is, especially, you know, our audience that, that, we've, that Neil and I really put this show together for, and there's going to be so many people who are both uh, clips for sale, studio operators, uh, performers, whatever, who are watching this and they're trying to decide, I would actually, you know, I, I would tell them all that, you know, what Chantel said is gold. Talk to people, ask around, talk about what's going to be at that show. And, you know, if you see that it's going to be something where you're not going to get any value of it, save your money, use your money and go on a trip with your family or whatever to, uh, to, to, to Larry's office down there in Northern Florida. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever you- whatever, Welcome here. Whatever it is that makes you get, whatever makes you comfortable, but it's- Yeah, it's true. I think that's, that's, um, that's what it comes down to. And that's why it's hard to tell them, yeah, you should go because everyone, everyone thinks, you know, ABN, oh, it's Vegas, blah, 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 I should go. But it's not always the right, you know, it's not always the right uh, setup for everybody. So it just depends on what you're, again, it goes back to what do you want to get out of the, out of the show and, if you just want to come meet people and, and be honest with you, the ADN is great, um, especially if you're at our booth, because we do have so many producers and models 
that do come under our, our wing, our umbrella, and it's great for, for them to communicate with each other, meet each other. They discuss lots of topics as far as what they shoot, let's do trade content. I mean, they, they make bonds with a lot of the other models, which is great. And that's, if that's what they're looking for. It's, it's a good thing to do for sure. And, and, and we've all been, I mean, everyone who's Chant- I know Chantel, Larry, Brad, I, and a lot of Darius. Look, we've all been to shows that quite frankly, haven't been that good. It's happened. And, and, you know, one thing though, that I learned something actually that Brad taught me a long time ago that you make, you can always, you make the most out of the show that you're at. You're going to make and determine whether the show is going to be good. You're there. If it doesn't seem like the greatest show, find a meeting, find someone to talk to, reach out, turn something into a, uh, exactly. And so instead of it, okay, maybe it's not the greatest show in the world, but there's always someone to meet. There's always someone to talk to. Uh, that's why they're there. So those are my thoughts on that. Dr. Chantel, who's giving me the Corey, she's giving me the, the high sign. Well, she's, she's giving me the, the sign. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes it's the way it is. <laughs> we definitely, I, my goodness, we went over so much stuff. I honestly we did. feel a little bit uh, taken aback by the severity of the girls do porn issue. Yeah. Like as per usual, these lawyers, man, they know a lot more than uh, me. <laughs> Don't yeah, the, I'll tell you what, it's a good thing we don't have to pay for this time because we'd all be broke. Don't you put but don't you put this on us. This is not this is not the lawyers didn't create this. Get no. the messenger. Yeah, we right. we are just the guys trying to help you stay on the nice, clean life and keep yourselves out of trouble. Right. right. We are not and Larry and I are not legislatures. We don't write this stuff. Unfortunately, we live in their world. Right. <laughs> their so world. We just should, I, it out. should I basically sum up? Sum it up, Neil. Please do. Sum it up. Florida. What do we do? Is this his summation or is this his closing, his, his, his uh, Jerry Springer closing thought? I was just going to say, it's Neil's final thought. I like that. Oh. <laughs> Boy, I look so blurry with this camera. I don't know what the hell's going you don't, on. You don't have your light on today. I do. Look. Now, look, it's, 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 now it's off. There's no light, Neil, right there. That's what I said, too. Oh, boy. There, I'm cleaning the camera off. Maybe there's something wrong with the camera. Anyway, so to sum everything up, basically, yeah, sometimes I like clean it up. Yeah, yeah, it's the camera. (laughs) Uh, Also, yeah, yeah, besides, uh, so we went over all these great topics, and you guys can contact Corey, Larry, me, Dr. Chantel, whatever, about any topics you want to add here, you want to discuss further certain things, if you uh, need a contract written up to – because you're shooting content, definitely talk to one of the attorneys to write up something for you. Um, also, I wanted to ask you actually, um, Corey or, or Larry, um, because the models should be reading these contracts, you probably don't want to make it like 60 pages long, like these privacy policies on websites. Nobody reads. You got to be care. You got to be careful with that because ultimately, Neil, everything. No, having 60 page agreements are ridiculous. Having contracts and agreements that are in one point font are absolutely ridiculous but ultimately if if you're signing up to do a shoot and someone sticks a a contract in front of you it's only it's only four lines long and probably shorter is not always better yeah it's not not i understand but but uh just 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 you know for my point that most people are not going to thoroughly read something that's five six seven pages long they might so you probably could squeeze uh, a decent contract under five pages, I would assume. Right? I would assume so. Our model release 
truthfully, the, the model release that, that we're using now that, that my office works off of uh, is actually closer to about 11 pages. So, oh, okay. now, but it's double spaced and we also make it so that the font is large and so that right. you don't want to be, the point of a model release, Neil, isn't to trick the performer. The point of a model release is so that every party who's a, a party to the contract knows what the rights and obligations are on, a, on each side. And are so you, you're saying I don't understand that? Is that what you're trying to do? Is that what you're well, really, okay. I've sent you six or seven contracts that you've signed blindly and frankly. Well, this, exactly. This is exactly my point. I already it's, own your house and you don't even realize it. <laughs> that this is my point is that the the more detail there is to read, the more likely you as the person signing it might say, Well, there was so much to read, I didn't understand it, and I just signed it. So that's why I'm thinking not always, you know, three, four pages, but something that's easily read, that's not a bunch of legal jargon. It's like, what the hell did that just mean that I just read? So it should be clear, understandable for everyone under, like in layman's terms, basically, um, that you can definitely read it and get the, the gist of, the, of what you're signing rather than something that's very, uh, like you said, not to trick somebody, but you want to you want to hand them something that they're going to sign that's like okay this is manageably I can manage, I can read there, it no problem. There's, there's also something there's another huge point here if you're Chantal for going on but go ahead no it's actually Neil it's actually a great point and this is the sort of stuff that should be said there's nothing wrong with a performer from saying you know before the shoot hey can you please send me the model release that we're going to use before the shoot because I'd like to run it by my lawyer that's a good and idea at that point, and at that point the producer says to you, no way, you can't run it by your lawyer, then you know what? Run. Then you don't shoot with that person. Run away. Run away. Run away. Okay. There's, 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 no, there's no rule that says that, hey, either sign this right now on the spot or doesn't, it doesn't, anybody who tries to, those sorts of pressure tactics or doesn't give you the opportunity to have your own lawyer review it, that those aren't the people you want to work with. Right. So no, Neil, I will not sign that strange release you sent me for that odd video. So, <laughs> hey, well, you were in it. Uh, I just wanted to make sure you knew, you know, what the rights your rights were. The, Can't the, do it. Balloon popping just doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so sorry to go off on a tangent about that, but I just thought it, it would be uh, going back to the girls do porn that you know I don't know what their model release looked like. Who the hell knows? So anyway, but I just wanted to bring that up. So in the future people watching this should go and look at their model release, make sure it is uh, in layman's terms, that it's easy to read, that it's not going to be some convoluted legal jargon, that it's like you twist and turns and very vague enough that they could say, no, you didn't read this one word. That means you are screwed basically. So anyway, so I just wanted to, to wrap that up and we went over all the great topics and I'm sure next month we have another one coming up just so everyone's aware uh, I believe it's December. Uh, oh, maybe we don't have another one coming up. Yes, we do. No, we don't. We don't have another one coming up. We have to put it on the schedule. We will. Okay, so right now we have nothing, no legal. Uh, but of course, send us your topics, uh, concerns, whatever it would be that you want to um, have us discuss with uh, two amazing attorneys. So I, I suspect that it will be Monday, December 2nd. I suspect. That's pretty soon, but it's possible. If we have topics to discuss by Monday the Some second, Monday. that's great. Uh, just so you know. But, uh, oh, Sarah says 1216. 
which is the 16th. So let me check that out. And that's, <laughs> I'm open to that as well. So it's not going to be, it's not going to be the 16th, Sarah. I promise you that. Okay. Well, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. We will figure it out we'll when, we're this recording off, this when we're off air. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yes, yeah, send your topics to us. You can send them to Clips for Sale directly through support, whatever it's going to be. You can contact Dr. Chantel as well through our, our system. If you want to do a one-on-one -on -one with me and Dr. Chantel about your store, about how to make more money, utilizing tools, all that stuff is in there. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much everything. And just so uh, everyone knows, thanks for stopping by everyone, the 12 people that are on here right now, but of course the thousands that are going to be watching this. Uh, I always invite everybody after this uh, to watch this to comment, to give us feedback, uh, give Corey feedback, especially because his ego is very, gets shattered very easily if you say something negative. Um, so make sure you give him positive, you know, praises. And um, anyway, from all these award nominees on this panel, we just wanted to say thanks again. Thanks to Dr. Chantel, Corey Silverstein, Lawrence Walters, of course, who was not nominated, just to point that out. Um, oh, thank you, appreciate but, that. But the yeah, I already got all my awards. Good. <laughs> but next year, I think we're all going to push for Larry to get nominated for something. Larry wanted – he won all of his awards in the 50s, man. He doesn't need – That's yeah. true. You have enough awards. And plausible. And maybe uh, maybe come January or February, the next legal one we do, we'll all have little statues next to us, uh, you know, to display for everyone to see. Because we are deserving of these things, especially Corey and Dr. Chantal. Me, maybe not yeah. as much. Even though I've been here 17 years doing this, I probably do. You, do you do you see my desk, Neil? I don't even have space you. anymore for. A, look you at this. You have so many awards. It's 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 pathetic. It's just overwhelming. It's I overwhelming. Mean, uh, Chantel has none. Of course, I've I never won an award. If I win this award, I'm gonna cry. Oh, well, that's <laughs> let's make it happen. No. Now Darius Darius has all all our awards at the office, so I don't you know. I don't get to keep them here behind me on this beautiful set I have that's made out of... Careful, careful there, careful. Yeah, it's easy, made easy, out of easy there, big fella. Some kind of weird material. Uh, but one of these days, I'm going to build a little shelf behind me and just display everything that we've ever won, which there's, let me tell you, I might put you to shame, Corey. You might be sad if you see... I think it would be list. amazing if you leaned back in your chair, fell through that thing, and there's just a bunch of Oompa Loompas running around. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Exactly. So anyway, thanks again for everyone for stopping by to uh, do this amazing legal, what do we call this again? The Clips for Sale Legal Zone. Legal Zone. Legal Sarah, Zone. Sarah's going to yeah. kill you. Breaking ground like nobody else in the industry. This is the, we're the only ones to do this because we can and we care. That's the reasons why we do this. So anyway, thanks everybody for stopping in and we'll catch up. Not catch up like Heinz catch up because you did bring up Heinz before. But... Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna we this video this this particular uh ver, or what is it, episode is gonna, gonna be a lot of editing going on. It's gonna be. It's, it could be <laughs> we should probably start getting sponsors uh, for these things and just. It's you know, not a bad idea. Have them have them behind you in your your little things like hey this this two minute segment is sponsored by do 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 it'd be kind of cool. Anyway, we get Mojo's to do it. Uh, I'm sure he would be happy to do that. We could put a giant thing behind us with. Uh, that's good mojo. I'm sure that would be great. I could, have Brad, I could have Brad just sitting here next to me holding a sign up. His office is right next door. That would be even better. That's, that's like a live commercial. 
at that point. We, have to, we might have to charge for that if that's if that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know. That's okay. All right, everybody. Peace out.